0: Hey, Adam. Yes? What do you know about Baruch Atoy Adonai Eloheinu? I know how to bless the wine, too. Well, let's do it, because it's Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. That's right. First day of Hanukkah. Yep, and uh, we have a best of today, right? We have a best of all week because we're lazy and want to spend time with our families. <laughs> Those two are not mutually exclusive. We've proven that. So, no, we've taken a little time off from the podcast. We're retooling yeah. the podcast, right, oh as my we speak. goodness, when they see the flying V. <laughs> the flying V. <laughs> that's what I've Woo! already christened what's going to happen. I don't even tell them anymore. All right, about no, no, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. It, but... So, uh, anyway, happy Hanukkah, happy holidays to everybody. Enjoy. What's, what's this best of about this one? We don't know. Remember, In- they could, <laughs> it hasn't been edited yet. But it's going to be great. We are so confident whatever be it is i'm sure it's fine brought to you by old granddad as usual i'm adam anis and i'm peter martin and you're listening to the you'll hear podcast daily music advice coming at you yeah, man, what the what the heck? <laughs> See, it's, it's <laughs> starting to start to grow on you like a fungi. Feels so Andy Griffith show-ish. I know. You know what? We're trying to um, we're trying to class it up here, man. Come on. Hell, we are. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what are we
1: talking about today? Well, we are talking about what the hell are Peter and Adam practicing? See, this is what I'm saying. Couldn't
0: it just be? What are Peter and Adam practicing? Yeah, that's not as fun. See, you're all about the clickbait. I'm just fun. all about, like, you know, <laughs> switching it up. It could, swishing yeah. it up. I like that. Uh, swishing. Sw- I'm all about swishing it up.
1: Uh, you know, I just thought it's close to the end of the year. I thought maybe we'd just check in with uh, what we're working on.
0: Yeah, you know? I like it. Okay, so uh, why don't we start with our number one, which is... Listen. listen there we said it together finally that was beautiful what are you uh what are you listening to most right now i don't know anything? <laughs> <laughs> um well i've been listening to this mccoy tyner i've been kind of going back into mccoy Can't some go stuff wrong. i used yeah some classic stuff and what's so amazing about it's like i've listened to some of these tracks so many times like mccoy tyner lonnie's lament from crescent like i've studied that that um and later on in one of my points we'll get into kind of some of the reasons why i've been practicing that again but you know it's like a lifelong. It's such a great thing because you're you're taking from it, you're learning from it, but it's so joyous to listen to over and over again. Yeah, um, yeah. But I always find that in terms of what we're talking about here, practicing. The reason we are including listening is for me, it 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 it's a, what do you call it? Like a a, a companion to practicing. Mm. So there's the actual listening while you're practicing. Say if you're transcribing, learning a tune, or Um, or or what have you but there's also the listening in between with an eye towards things that can inspire your practicing or that can make your practicing easier for sure so i always like to kind of couple that with that all right uh next up from pm you are practicing oh scales scales yeah and that's just kind of a ongoing thing i don't think there's any time when i'm uh, i mean there's been times when i go when i don't really practice much but whenever i am practicing and even those are relatively rare but when I do – I don't think a day goes by that I don't practice some kind of scales. You know? Yeah, that's true. And so I'm cycling through. Kind of at the end of the year, I'm a little bit just – Playing different stuff a little bit randomly in terms of which ones I do, and then a lot of times at the beginning of the year I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna get regimented, and I'll kind of start hitting some I haven't in a while, uh, and then also
1: I see you have Phillips exercises on this. This is something that you introduced me to. These are yeah. amazing for finger independence.
0: They're great. Phillips uh, exercise for independence of the fingering fingers, and that you know I rarely leave the. I'm I'm, I'm I wouldn't say I'm lazy with this because I been diligently doing it, but I don't leave the first page a lot. You don't need to do you more than mm. the first, like, five exercises.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, the Phillips exercises are great because they, like, it's, it basically puts your hand in a position where you're, you're putting down uh, most of your fingers and then having to lift individual ones up. And it just forces independence of the fingers in a way that you can't be just playing, you know, one at a time. It's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Talk about
0: getting out of your comfort zone. All right. What's our last one? Here? Okay. The last one is I've been practicing diving back into a little McCoy Tyner for my trans for my transcribe, because I haven't done it lately. And I'm so excited about our sponsor, any tune and, and having the app that they so graciously gave us, um, it, you know it kind of reinvigorated me to go back and to be able to I, I realized I was like, well, I learned this solo, but I still had some questions. Now this is like 30 is that possible? 30 No, more than 30 years ago, I learned this, which is crazy because I'm 37. Isn't that wow. wild? I was seven years old, man. No, but I, you know, I realized I was never I mean are we ever 100 percent sure we have everything? when we learn a solo no no but we feel like we're, we're like if you get to like 98 99 you feel good so i was never sure how accurate I had it, and I was like, "Now I have this tool to really be able to hear that." And so I've been going back, and and then I realized I don't remember the whole solo. Although it's amazing how much of it I still kind of know after 30 years. Well, how much of it comes back? Now I've listened to the recording a lot since then, uh, but that's been a lot of fun, and that's it. Kind of reinvigorated that as part of my. So I'm thinking about next year, like doing some getting back into transcribing. You know, look at you. You know what I'm saying? Going old school. Oh, that tells put, you. Put put on my little my little elementary school britches and get my lunch pail out. And going old school. Right. You ever talk about my my Tyner lunchbox? It's valuable, man. No way. No, I'm just kidding. That would be awesome, though. Get like a blues on the corner lunchbox. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. man, I would be all over that. you do. Well, maybe we'll
1: include that as part of a 2020 challenge of uh Building a McCoy
0: Tiner lunchbox? Actually,
1: if there's any artisans out there that want to build us some McCoy Tiner lunchbox, Artists, we would totally it's... take it. But...
0: Uh, yeah. I feel like you could order that from uh, some Chinese, like Alibaba or something, where you just, like, upload the logo. I don't think you have to be an artisan. Yeah. Ryan, order us a McCoy Tyner Blues on the Corner lunchbox. Oh, that would be incredible. (laughs) And put a link below. I'll take a real McCoy. (laughs) I want a Herbie Hancock Headhunters (laughs) lunch pail.
1: That's got to exist. With
0: vegan leather trim on it. (laughs) Ooh. You could do do that. Not to eat. Just as trim. Anyway. Hey, Adam. Yeah. Have you come up with the theme song yet for the our What the Hell series? Yeah. What the hell is the difference between a sharp
1: 11 and a flat 5? Yeah. Um, I feel very lucky because when I was very young, someone kind of explained this to in a way that really made sense to me. And it was Buster Williams, and you know it's legit. Whoa, wait, hold on. We just yeah. dropped, a name I dropped the, the name here. on the ground <laughs> yeah. no, I dropped name on the ground,
0: yeah. When I was a little boy, I asked my daddy what the difference between a, a flat 5 and a sharp 11. He said... Go ask a pro, Buster taught us
1: uh, at, at his uh, in his combo class at the new school back way way back in the day. Oh, that must have been awesome! Uh, it, was, it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, Joe Henderson's Inner Urge, right? And so Inner Urge has these example. series of major seven flat fives, and um, you know, he kind of laid it down what what the difference is between the flat five and the sharp eleven, mm. and it's actually as pianist, it's really easy to see because it kind of implies a very specific time actually a very specific sound to uh that time around inner urge and it's this shape right so here i have an f major 7 flat 5 and the shape i have is f a b natural e right so this is what you would hear over inner urge as it moves down in whole hmm. steps right and so the idea is if i say major 7 uh, flat five. Not only is it implying this Lydian sound, but it kind of gives me an idea of the shape. That there's no nine in this situation. An eleven, a, a sharp eleven, implies that there must be a nine. Right. That's what I learned. If there's an eleven or thirteen, uh, there the nine has to be in there. So this it implies that in the voicing, there doesn't necessarily have to be a nine. But it also implies one other thing. So Buster told us that the scale we use over this is the uh, the D melodic minor. So one of the first comments on Kurt's tweet the other day was, yeah, like, what, are you not going to have the natural five? Well, in fact, snarky puppy, no, we're not going to have the natural five. (laughs) Snarky
0: snarky, uh,
1: Kurt? (laughs) That's right. We're going to have the flat five and the sharp five because of the scale, right? If F, G, A, B natural, C sharp, D, E.
0: And you know why from a theoretical standpoint? I have no idea. Because it sounds good. It does sound. It great. does sound good,
1: but it's a different thing. So if this was an F seven or F major seven sharp eleven, there would absolutely be a natural. It yeah. implies that there's that the C is in there, but the 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 eleven, the the B flat is is just B natural. Mm-hmm. But the again major seven flat five could be called flat five sharp five or flat five. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's got this. Does it make
0: sense? It does. Yeah, and that's interesting. I've never. I've heard it like that, but I've never actually kind of theoretically thought about it like that at all.
1: But, uh, you know, I'm thinking about this more of like, if I'm soloing in my right hand, what do I do rhythmically with my left hand? It's a question we get asked a lot here at Open Studio. So I just wanted to like... Talk about it a little bit. You've got a great left hand and you're, Thank you. you're it's always I was at the pedicurist. It's uh, always grooving the week. when you're soloing. I think a lot of especially beginner and intermediate players either get uh, locked up in fear about it yeah. or paralyzed or they just like overplay with like very poor dynamics and they're not swinging at all. Ooh, uh, that's kind of worst case
0: scenario. It's a really bad Wait, thing. you're talking about only 10% swing or 0% swing? I mean, like, you know, yeah,
1: Sibelius 0% <laughs> swing. Something that actually Jeffrey Keiser talks about quite a bit, and I think it's very eye-opening that to, to keys this is a very important part. Um, and it, you realize this the better, you're, the, be, the better at this you get, but dynamics play such a crucial role. In comping for yourself and what your left hand is doing. So what the hell do I do with my left hand? Whatever it is, make sure that you are under whatever the, the if that's your soloing with your right, you, you need to not be competing with your own left hand for that. So you have to work on dynamics. It's hard to do. Like you couldn't do it with the key station. No, 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 no. We can't even fit both
0: hands on there. No. I think it's horrible. But
1: uh, but you can bring out melodies in your left hand. Right. And, and like practicing those dynamics, like coming up when you, the left hand is going to be featured. Yes. But then going back down in this... Space, you know,
0: how about what the hell to do with your left hand? How about a little melodic playing when you're playing a bass line? I love it. You're allowed to do that. You can play the melody, even. Did you know that? Yes, yeah. the left it's, it's well, depends on what state oh. you're in. There's a couple southern states that have made that illegal recently, <coughs> they're not enforcing that law. Technically, it's still illegal. So, you check your local laws and regulations, people. Sorry to disturb your practicing. What are you playing there? I don't know. Some secondary dominance. Mm. Is that like playing second fiddle? It is on this podcast.
1: All right. So today I got an email this morning from a, I don't think he's even a you'll hear it listener, but an open studio customer. He was a bill collector. You got that wrong. <laughs> I get those emails every day, but uh no asking about how to deal with a series of consecutive secondary dominance, yes, it's not something we've touched on very much here. So I'm talking about things like the tune All of Me or... Uh,
0: all of me, <laughs> just take all of me. That tune?
1: Yeah. Okay. Or, uh, or the bridge, the most
0: famously the bridge tune. Ryan's oh, putting the gain down on my mic, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did I spark some uh, <laughs> excitement over in the engineering department? The bridge on rhythm. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, no, keep going. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so tune like All of Me. I love a parade. Sorry, that just popped in my head. See, there you go. <laughs> you done
1: yeah okay uh, a tune like all all of me yeah, or like the bridge for rhythm changes, something where there's a bunch of dominant chords that seemingly whoa don't go together, so right. I had the, I had Ooh, the you're modulating ping bro. pong tremolo on nice. um or like you know you know these are all going around in in the circle of fourths right yeah so Back to the one okay what do you this person want to know what the heck do i play what do i practice on something like
0: this what the hell so it's what the hell do i play over a second dominant secondary dominant
1: hey listen we're talking about playing the bridge to some rhythm changes if you're not a grown-up enough to to use the word hell it's an adult
0: point. show yeah, that's right hide your wives and cover your kids ears no but so check this out i was gonna you just answered the first question that i had uh, and this is going to be part of a series, I understand,
1: right? The What the Hell series? Oh, yeah, we're doing this all week, What the Hell.
0: Yeah, it's a slow spiral down into uh, <laughs> into the into, into Hades. Uh, but um, my question was going to be, what the hell is a secondary dominant? Maybe we should answer that first. Well, that's a great idea, actually, to define what a secondary
1: dominant is. So a secondary dominant is not in the tonic key of whatever tune you're in. So a primary dominant in the key of, say, B-flat is F, right? Yep. Um The secondary dominant would be, say, in the key of B flat, a C seven. It's kind of a side hustle dominant. It's a side. Put it in the words that young folks would understand, Um, and it's really just any dominant that could be part of.
0: You know that's a really progression.
1: a progression that's yep. not in the uh, in the tonic key, right? right? So that's why this bridge for Rhythm Changes in B flat starts on a D seven, goes yeah. to G seven. All these are all secondary dominants. If yeah. we were just diatonic, the D would be D minor, right. the G would be G minor, and the C would be C minor. But and
0: correct me if I'm wrong, but often we wouldn't even know, or the listener wouldn't hear that it's secondary. Like so, play the first the three chord at the beginning of the bridge there, and now resolve that to where it would be expected to go. Right, so if it did that, it's actually not. It's like almost like a deceptive second because it, it resolves where it expects it to go that's to like, a minor or a major. Right, right. So yeah, could have done So... That too. Yeah, and then and then it's like a key change kind of. Right, but if it goes to here, that's what makes it secondary.
1: And then that because these are all wanting to go somewhere. right? Maybe even
0: tertiary. What do we call that? Because
1: you've got tertiary, a, tertiary. Well, that too. And you see this with the cycle of of fourth, circle of fourth, often because. You know, like the D is the is the five of G, the G is the five of C, yeah. the C is the five of S. So really you're just putting like five, 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 five. So we're we're mm. all heading towards B flat. Yeah, you're delaying the inevitable. You could do this, you could keep going with this and
0: forever. I mean it just could keep going, 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 we don't have time. We don't have time for that. And so when you've got, for instance, on that bridge, you've got the four in a row, the way you would play over the final one where you know a resolution is coming. Is, yeah, is going to be different, and and so it's almost like you look that that you look at that secondary dominant, or in this case, the several secondary dominants, as a setup, um, you know, a, a chance to still be unresolved. You know, it's not going to be resolved harmonically because anytime you're on a five chord, unless you're really giving it like a, a bluesy one type one chord type of feel, mm-hmm. um, it's not going to be stationary. It's already got some momentum. Now, can you make a dominance? chord feel like it's stationary yes of course the blues is a perfect example but the idea of like how these are set up when they are secondary it's going to have that forward momentum harmonically so the easy answer or the simple simplistic way to look at it is like oh okay so then we're going to play kind of in a rambling way along the chords. well maybe hold on hold your horses there buddy G goller baller what the heck are you doing there buddy oh sorry i was kind of old-timey no but you know What's fun sometimes is to play against what that harmony is with your melody. Sure. The, the main thing is you, you're aware of it, so like you're able to hear. And I know it's a little bit esoteric, but you're able to hear kind of what that general harmonic structure is, and that there's not a stability. There's a constant kind of wanting. You know, there's a transition and there's a wanting to resolve, but you know you're not there yet. So you can use that to your advantage if you understand that and can That's hear right. it with how you craft your melodies.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, the the first way that I think about doing that is is to understand, especially when it's going around in these fourths, like on the bridge to, to rhythm changes, right? Yeah. Is you can establish this as like a uh, as a one there. I like that as a one chord but then before you go to the next chord you can turn this into more
0: of a dominant seven sound mm. So you kind of went blues, let me just do a little play by play, a little blues scale, and then you went half whole. That's right, yeah, yeah. Diminished. Or you could go altered. Which heightens the kind of transitional quality of the dominant chord.
1: Right, so even in that sense, too, I would say like the, your first step in, in treating this circle of force like this is you could even think about the first measure as like an A minor 7 over D. Mm, a
0: little sus action.
1: And then do some kind of five thing to the G. And you can think about this, too, as like a... Like, they can all be both tonics and dominants within this sequence. You know, it really depends. Or if you're Oscar Peterson, you can...
0: They almost all have a blues tonic feel to it, right? Well, that wasn't that, yeah. And that's actually very connected with your first example there right before that with the Oscar Peterson thing because you were using the blues usually as the thing that established it as a tonic. Yeah, that we're in a one zone. Yeah, right? and that, that's, I mean, for the listener, that's the main thing that makes a dominant chord uh, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's other times. I'm sure there is other times, but it's a primary way to kind of connect with like we're here for now. Like the right. blues pulls it to makes it the one. Whereas most like kind of more bebop playing or like you were doing the sus and did th- those different things, they have that kind of transitional thing or floating along, which is great. Yeah, too. you can. That's the cool thing about it is you can do
1: either or. Yeah, but you have to be you have to be purposeful when you do this. You yes. have to be very intentful.
0: Yeah. Oh well. Till tomorrow, you'll hear it.